Good morning. A uh, couple of announcements, but I think first things first. If, if you're a, uh, an alum and you're visiting, would you please stand so we can welcome you? Right here, we've got like the already and not yet in human form, right? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <clears throat> uh, two, quick two quick announcements. Uh, Clark Beckham, who was up there a few minutes ago, he was uh, uh, the runner-up on American Idol a few years back. Um, he's a league graduate, um, a super cool guy, an amazing, amazing musician. He's going to be with us on Monday. He's going to be in chapel. And then he's doing a concert in the evening at 8 o'clock in the chapel, uh, free concert. So all the churches in the area know that he's coming um, and would encourage you to come and join. It's going to be a pretty remarkable time. Uh, also want to um, just remind everyone about the Schaefer Conference on True Spirituality is next week, uh, Wednesday and Thursday in chapel. We'll have a special uh, chapel Thursday. And uh, Paul Miller is going to be our guest, the author of Praying Life, um, Loving Life, and he has a new book called The J-Curve. Um, I just talked to him yesterday, and he's very, very excited to be with us. So um, please get ready for that. Um, so as a follow-up to last Friday, um, I thought you might like to know that day before yesterday on my way uh, to the college from my home, yeah, um, a squirrel hurled himself in front of my car. But you will be glad to know that as I drove over him, with agility and dexterity like like a squirrel. Um, he deftly ran out the side, and I saw, like, visual... Yeah, there it is. Perhaps the curse has been broken. That would be very nice. Uh, why he ran out in front of my car? I do not know. Um, so the question why is what we're going to be talking about today, and why can reveal a great deal about people, Right? when you start asking the question why. Um, it can reveal a great deal about the asker, right? The person who's asking the question why. So just hypothetically, if a four-year-old happened to ask you the question, uh, so, Dad, um, why does the water in the toilet taste so refreshing? Um, it might reveal something about the asker. It might, my daughter didn't do that, but I do have a friend whose son did do that. Um, it can also reveal a great deal about the person answering the question. For instance, the same son who asked that question at five years old, when his parents asked him the question, Cole, why did you poop in the backyard? Cole said, because I told Olive that I am an adventurer and I needed to convince her that I could live outdoors. <laughs> Another true story. Um, why can also... Uh, be one of the most vexing questions, right? Uh, why did I do that? Why didn't I do that? Uh, why, Lord, is this happening? Why would you allow this to happen? Um, our last passage, as we're moving through the Old Testament and looking at encountering Jesus in the Old Testament, um, as we sat in Genesis 15 in the covenant with Abram, uh, we looked at the question of how can we trust God and this morning, we're going to look at the question of why as it comes before God. So our text picks up years uh, after the covenant that God initiated in Genesis 15 
And God has been faithful to his promise, like he said that he would, and like he swore upon himself. Isaac is born to Abram and Sarah um, when he is 100 years old, a clear picture that the the son that's given is a miracle, um, a miracle from God. And so he now has his child. The promise has been fulfilled. The descendants will come through Isaac, the nation that will inherit the land and that will then bless the entire world. And we come to this chapter in Genesis 22. And it reads like this. After these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Now first, just to kick, a divine test is not a bad thing. It's not a temptation. It's not a desire to tear a man down. Instead, it's an opportunity to reveal the heart of a man. To reveal the heart of a man both before that man and before God. We're told in the text that a test is coming, but Abraham apparently wasn't told that a test is coming. I'm guessing that perhaps Abraham wondered, if as God called him, that now was the time he was going to be gathered to his fathers. Now was the time his life was going to come to an end because God had told him, Abraham, you'll die long before you'll ever see the fulfillment of the promises, but here's what's going to happen. And he lays out the future before him. He lays out what's going to happen with Israel in Egypt. He lays out the coming back to the promised land. He even has notions of the coming Messiah. But instead, God says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. He says, please take. The Hebrew is really interesting there. Please take. God understands the depth of the question that he's asking. The last thing I think Abraham expected to hear is sacrifice my son, the one you promised to be the father of my descendants. There's no reason given. There's no explanation. Just God telling him to offer his son as a burnt offering. And here's what a burnt offering looked like. You would take an animal. You would slit the animal's throat, let it bleed out. You'd place the animal on an altar of wood, and you would light the fire. It would consume the animal. It was a sign of the offerer giving his whole self to God as the animal represented the offerer. So Abraham's response is this. He rises early in the morning, he saddles his donkey, and he takes two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cuts wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. So for three days, they travel. Abraham, Isaac, two servants, a donkey. They camp, they eat, they talk. And on the third day, Abraham looks up and he sees the mountain, which means that Abraham had three days to wrestle with God's command. Three days of what had to been turmoil, confusion, wondering why. Why would God want this? Why would God call him to sacrifice the son that he, he promised and that he provided? And in the same way we did in Genesis 15, what I'd like to invite you to do is hold up Abraham's faith as a mirror to your faith, to my faith. His actions and his responses to a mirror to help us see ourselves, not just in Abraham's place, but before God. Why is perhaps the most universally vexing question, right? Why does God ordain? Why does he ask? Why does he call? Why does he lead? Why would he allow 
us to endure things in our lives that are as confusing and as difficult as the idea of sacrificing a child. The question why will plague each of us at different times, different circumstances, but every single one of us will experience it. None of us are immune to it. They get to the place where Abraham is supposed to go up, and it says that Abraham says to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. So Abraham tells the servants that he and Isaac are going to go over to the mountain and that they are going to worship and that they will come back. Now, a lot of commentators and a lot of people when reading this story think that Abraham is simply lying to his servants. He's trying to cover what he's actually intending to do. But I think something very, very different has happened here. I think that Abraham has had something happen in his mind and in his heart. See, when you ask the question why over and over, you will ultimately come to the conclusion more often than not that why will not be answered. You can wonder and ask and ruminate and question why, Lord? Why? 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 But the reality is that it's usually the case that the why is not going to be answered. And so I think, believe that what happened in Abraham's heart is the question began to morph. Because why reveals our finitude. It reveals our inability to understand the plans of God. So the new question becomes the answer. And I don't mean this to sound pithy. I think this is really true. The answer to why is almost always who? So hear that. Why will almost always bring us to a place of finitude and a lack of understanding God's plans? The answer to the question why is almost always who? So I think that Abraham's why became who? Who is my Lord? Can I trust my Lord? Can I trust him no matter what? Can I trust him without ever knowing or understanding the why? Abraham knew who was calling him, and he believed and he trusted. He had a faith that God had credited to him as righteousness, even if he didn't understand the circumstances that were before him. Again, it's important for us to remember that our lack of understanding God's plan reflects our finitude and not his faithlessness. And the book of Hebrews tells us this is exactly what happened. Abraham reckoned that if he actually did kill Isaac, God would raise him from the dead. Think about, think about the magnitude, the beauty of that kind of faith. So simple and so powerful. He, his rational thought process was this. I know who my God is. My God is faithful. My God has promised my son and descendants from my son. My God is now asking me to sacrifice my son. His promises are good and true and right. Therefore, there's one conclusion. If I sacrifice my son, God will raise him from the dead because he's a faithful God. It flows from the fact that he knew the Lord. He knew who he was because he was able to look back at God's faithfulness and his fulfilled promises, his shield and his great reward who had proven always, always, always faithful. So the narrative shifts a little bit, but you'll see the question is going to remain the same. It's just going to take a little turn. 
Um, We're told that Abraham takes the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them head up the mountain together to the place of sacrifice. They have the knife to kill the sacrifice, the wood to build the altar and lay the animal on, and the coals to start the fire. And it's Isaac. Isaac is the one who's carrying the wood for the offering. Then in verses, the end of verse 6 through verse 8, we have this patched together and hear this. Here, the beginning and the end are the same. So they went both of them together. So they went both of them together, and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. And that, that section there is bookended because we're supposed to take note that something intimate and powerful is happening in there. In the conversation between the two of them, Father, where is the sacrifice? He says, the Lord will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. And you have to wonder, is it possible that it's beginning to dawn on Isaac what is happening? Is he beginning to put the pieces together that he may actually be the sacrifice? And if so, would he begin wondering the same question that Abraham wondered on their trek? Why? And scripture tells us when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. So they come to the place that God showed Abraham. He builds the altar. He arranges the wood that he's going to light on fire to consume the sacrifice. And I think that it's likely two things have happened that we don't have um, recalled in Scripture. I think a conversation likely took place between Abraham and Isaac, where Abraham told him, yes, my son, you are, in fact, the sacrifice. And Isaac's movement that we don't get to see, but I think also happened because we have evidence of it here in a moment. You have to imagine Isaac's question was the same. Why? Why would my father sacrifice me? Why would he be willing to take my life that I might be a sacrifice? And you might say, he has the why because God told his father. But God didn't tell Isaac, God told Abraham. So I think that Isaac did the exact same thing in his mind and his heart that his father Abraham had done. The question shifted from why to who. My father loves me, is trustworthy. Will I actually trust him with my life? Will I be willing to lay down my life in obedience out of my trust for my father and out of our trust for our heavenly father. So it became who? Who is God and who is my father? And Isaac trusted his father, even in circumstances he could not comprehend. Now, I think the reason we have pretty strong evidence that this happened, or at least I think it happened, is because scripture says that Abraham bound Isaac and laid him on the altar. Now, you have to remember, Abraham is now probably 115, 120 years old. A 120-year-old man sneaking up on his 15-year-old son and binding him is probably not terribly likely. Isaac could have fought back. He could have fled. I'm guessing he probably could have outrun his father. Um, 
I think Isaac allows himself to be bound. And the reason that he allowed himself to be bound was that because he trusted his father. In the face of fear and death, he was obedient in his faith. Now, again, the story reinforces that when we see through a glass darkly, like if you're looking at the world through a glass of water, and you see things and you, make, you can make things out, but you can't always put them all together. When our understanding of why things happen grips us, the why must become the who. And we ask then, can we trust our Lord? So while Abraham looked back to God's faithfulness as the foundation of answering who, Isaac and his story does something super cool and points forward to the who for us that we might see this. Abraham's foundation was in the past. Isaac is pointing to the future. I'm sure you notice that Isaac is the one who carries the wood up the mountain to the place where he's going to be killed and sacrificed. Just exactly as Jesus Christ carried the wood of the tree up the hill to the place where he was going to be sacrificed and killed. He's bound and set to die even though he's innocent. Just like Jesus Christ was bound and set to die in his innocence. He trusts his father and is obedient even to the point of death all intentional pictures pointing forward to Jesus' sacrifice. Then we're told that Abraham reaches out his hand and takes the knife to slaughter his son. And I've, ruminated, I've thought about that for so long. I used to think that there was this kind of dramatic picture of, of Abraham taking the knife and raising it up, and right as he's about to bring it down, God calls him and he stops it. But Scripture says that Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son, and the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. It's not about the drama of the hand. It's about the willingness to be faithful and obedient, even when he didn't understand. And there with his faithful, obedient son on the altar, and the angel of the Lord calls and stops it. I see your faith. Abraham's faith was reflective of God's faithfulness, right? Faith in a faithful God. And now we're getting to a fuller picture of that faithfulness because this is not the end of the story. Scripture tells us that Abraham again lifted up his eyes. He looks and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So the first time Abraham looks up, remember, he lifts up his eyes and he sees the mountain where he's supposed to sacrifice his son. This time he looks up and he sees the sacrifice that the Lord has provided instead of his son, a ram. And when you picture this, you want the right picture in your mind of what's going on here. This is not like a little lamb caught in a, in a, like a rose bush. Rams could get huge. They're big, strong, powerful animals. And it looks like his horns get caught in a copse of trees, like a grove of trees. And Abraham knows that this is the animal that God has provided for the sacrifice. So he goes, he likely slit his throat, let it bleed out, carries the ram and puts the ram on the altar. And you've got to feel that, right? The place where his son was just laying, his life about to be sacrificed, and now Another is there in his place, and he lights it as an offering to his king, to his Lord, to his God, who is faithful. 
And then scripture tells us that the angel of the Lord calls to Abraham a second time from heaven. And he says, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I'll surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. This is the same promise. This is exactly what God has been promising and telling him about. And God verbalizes the promise that he made when he passed through the sacrificed animals in Genesis 15, where he covenanted and he swore by himself that he'd be faithful. He says, you have not withheld your son, your only son. But we know that a day is coming where God will also not withhold his son. God um, saved Isaac, but he's going to sacrifice his son. And God blesses Abraham in his faithfulness. So scripture tells us that Abraham returns to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. So this beautiful picture of the question, why, right? When you can't escape the question, why, remember that the answer is who. And the who is the selfless one who sacrificed himself on our behalf. When that ram was provided, remember, God had spoken the words, or Abraham had said, that the Lord will provide the lamb for the sacrifice. And the lamb was to come. It was going to be a thousand, almost 2,000 years later. But the spotless lamb, the innocent son of God, Jesus Christ, would come. The one who's foreshadowed by Isaac, who gave himself willingly, who was obedient to death. The one who would carry his cross to the place of sacrifice. And here, how cool is this? So Mount Moriah, where this happened. The mount that is called, where the Lord shall provide is the same location as the Temple Mount. It's the same location where Jesus actually carried his cross to Golgotha and was crucified, where the Lord provided once and for all the perfect sacrifice, that we might have our sins forgiven, that we might be restored to our Father, that we might become, by faith in Jesus Christ, descendants of Abraham. The promise of descendants, not by blood, by faith, it's us. We are the descendants of Abraham who can have the same sure faith in who as Abraham had because now we know the full story. We know about the lamb who was sacrificed. So while Abraham may have thought that God was appearing because it was time for his death, instead God reveals the true source of life. Who is that true source of life? Our faithful covenant God, our shield and our great reward King Jesus, our Savior. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being our faithful covenant God. Father, when we are vexed by wise, will you please, by your Spirit, give us the power to ask and to remember who, and to answer that who with you, our loving Father, Jesus Christ, our King and our Savior, Holy Spirit who indwells us and who makes us able to stand righteous before you. We give you all the praise and the honor and the thanks. In the name of our Father, in the name of our Son, 
In the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.